Welcome to the Momfully You podcast. I'm your host, Chastity Holcomb, a trauma therapist, a fellow high-achieving mama, and after years of my clinical experience helping hundreds of people recover from unhealthy family cycles, I'm here to help moms transform what it means to be an emotionally healthy mom in your family. I believe the generations shift when moms heal. So on this podcast, I'm going to walk you through how to do it all while honoring God in the process. So come on in, grab a blanket, and let's lean all the way in. Everything has a start and an end. When it comes to childhood wounds and trauma, it's really hard sometimes to figure out exactly when it started in your family, but it's almost guaranteed that it will continue if it doesn't end. If someone doesn't say enough is enough, I'm tired of repeating what my mom, my grandma, my great grandma, my dad, my granddaddy, my great granddaddy, right? I'm tired of it. It ends with me until someone says that usually the cycle continues, right? So I really want to kind of chop and screw, really break down my philosophy of the unhealthy parent-child or family relationship that really kind of leads to this cycle of passing down these childhood wounds. Um, And so I can't wait for you to hear it. And I've shared a little bit of my perspective over on Instagram. And I've heard things like, you know, I've never really thought about it that way. I've never heard someone kind of put it in that perspective. Huh? I, I, it, it makes a lot of sense now. Or, wow, I kind of see my mom or my dad in a different way, in a different light. I appreciate this, right? So you're in for a treat today. Um, sharing these revelations with my private coaching clients is where I'm really able to unpacked, you know, all of these different concepts and help them have these aha moments for themselves. As I mentioned before, it is really easy for us to hear these general types of uh, concepts spoken about. And sometimes we can see ourselves in it and sometimes we can't. And so we'll walk away from the conversation thinking, oh, that's not exactly my journey, but I still feel like there's something to be worked on here, right? That is where that one-to-one support, that hand holding comes into play. And so as you're listening to this and this comes to your mind um, at the end of the episode, of course, I'll give you more information about how to work with me, but just kind of keep that in mind, right? These are general concepts that I've um, kind of experienced and witnessed personally, as well as with hundreds of clients that I've seen at this point. So come on in, let's kind of get into our conversation today. So I am a deep believer that there are always levels to this, okay? I know somebody wrote a song about levels to this somewhere. I don't know it, but I know it's out there. And it's true when it comes to healing. It really is. If the end goal is maintaining, you know, your walk in healing from your childhood wounds and trauma, which again, as long as you're alive, you'll be healing. As long as you're alive, you'll be healing. But if the end goal is to maintain that walk and keep moving forward in that walk of healing, then the starting line really is understanding where childhood wounds come from in the first place, right? Like, why does this unhealthy cycle of um, this parent-child relationship 
uh, wounding? Where did, why does it exist? And why does it particularly exist in your family? Um, and so then you can heal from it and you can go on to break the cycle in your family, right? So let's just kind of give a little debrief of what I believe intergenerational uh, trauma is and just kind of give some context around that. So generationally, right, the people that came before you that happened to share your blood, so your mom, your mama's mama, her mama, all the things, your dad, your daddy's daddy, his daddy, all the things, right? You have this split off of all of these people that have come together. They share blood, but not only do they share blood, in this case, they share hurt. They share deep pain. They share experiences that have uh, shaped who they are by the way that they believe, the patterns that they chase after, um, the people then that they then partner with and create families of, of their own, right? So they have these things in common and they have this pain in common. And if that pain is left unresolved, then they just tie it up, put it in a bow and pass it down to the next generation, right? In this case, your parents tied it in a bow and pass it down to you, thus creating this childhood wound through experiences in your childhood. And I've used the analogy of the medical wound before, but you know, you break your foot, it goes untreated. You're going to have to work through that. You're going to be limping around. There's going to be repercussions because no one was there to support and treat it in the way that it could so that it could become healthy. And so you could thrive in a way as if the injury never really happened. But if we just sweep it under the rug, and people are like, girl, your foot ain't nothing wrong with your foot. You can walk. Okay. Get up and walk. I mean, I see the bone sticking out, but walk. And not only that, but you keep falling and people keep saying this about you, right? The injury is intensified and it impairs the way that you live your life. So the same thing happens with this generational passing down of trauma. So I really like to think about this on a spectrum, right? There is no one size fits all when it comes to trauma and your story, your unique experiences. Um, but in general, childhood wounds are essentially these negative emotional impacts um, from the relationship that you have with your parents. And they show up later in life, typically in every single aspect of your life. What I've seen in a lot of my clients is if they've experienced this one hurt or big event in their childhood and or these many, many, so M-I-N-I-M-A-N-Y events in their childhood, they start to create these narratives. Usually the narrative is there's something wrong with me. I'm broken. I'm not good enough. Something along that era. I'm responsible. I'm to blame something along along those lines, right? That belief then kind of puts them in, if I am this, then I have to do this, right? So if I am not good enough, then I have to uh, overcompensate and make people believe that I am, which generally turns into perfectionism, right? You have to paint this image that, that people see that I am good, I am worthy. So then I am loved and I am accepted into the relationship, the friend group, the job, the whatever it is, right? So if I paint this picture through perfectionism, which doesn't exist, but if I try, 
okay? Um, I'll be loved and accepted. Well, what happens when you're functioning out of that is you are an anxious mess because you're trying to do all of these things in order to prove your worth. I can never lay my kids down without me being in the room because something's going to go wrong and it's going to be my fault. And then that proves that I am not worthy of being a mom. I cannot pass this project on to my well-capable colleague because if I do and they mess it up, it's going to be my fault and they're going to look at me and I'm going to get fired and it's going to prove that I'm not really good at what I do. I cannot um, share all of these things within my marriage. If I truly tell them how I feel on the inside, they're going to see what I see and that is that I'm deeply flawed. There's something wrong with me. And they really shouldn't be married to me in the first place. That anxiety, that lingering feeling that there's a shoe that's going to drop at any moment then leads to this sense of control. I have to control it all. I have to be in every room, every meeting, right? Every process, I have to know every single thing. It's really hard for you to let it go because this independence and control is there. And it's not your fault, right? It's not your fault. Because you were quite literally conditioned to have these thoughts and beliefs about yourself. So really, you've just been operating out of this self-protection this whole time, right? And these things start in childhood, but they rarely ever stop there. They rarely ever end there, right? A lot of times we hear about um, families or kind of what we deem to be uh, oh, this person definitely has a childhood wound, right? Or this this person definitely had a, a, a rough childhood. In those scenarios, we'll hear things like, oh, the parents were abusive, physically abusive, sexually abusive, emotionally abusive. They were neglective, meaning they didn't give their children food and water, um, things of that nature, like the big news headline things. Oh, that's a rough childhood. But it's, again, a spectrum, that is a form of a negative experience in childhood, but it's not the only form. Um, forms that I hear about um, in my practice and with my coaching clients um, is one of two, and we're going to talk about those. So the first one is having typically a mother, right, um, who in all things centers herself, and in doing so, she wants to protect her good and perfect image, especially in public. You know, her, her rough sides kind of come out, you know, when the doors are closed. But in public, everybody loves her. She's very charismatic. She knows all the things. She's connected and well-connected to people in the community. And she knows how to network. She knows how to say things. Um, and this goes for the dad, too, right? He could be well-connected, very charismatic, cares about his image a lot. But when they're home... They are very critical of you, very um, shaming and manipulative about you and your behaviors and things that you did and didn't do and how you did it and how you didn't. It was all in the aims and the pursuit of them looking good and you being a reflection of them, right? But if you can never be perfect and you can never shine this beautiful light as a reflection of them, then that leaves you feeling unworthy of approval and acceptance. Again, I have to outdo, outwork to prove myself in then other aspects of my life, right? The crazy part is 
society loves <laughs> these types of parents because on the outside, it's like, oh my gosh, your kids have the, the best grades. They go to the top schools. They go on to have high earning jobs and they marry the best. Oh my gosh. And they continue the family legacy. What they really mean is they've created many versions of themselves, right? They get praised for their children being quote unquote good. While, you know, most moms or dads that fall into this category, they, their best for their children really, again, is that reflection of themselves. You're at your best and at your A game when you look the most like me or, or what I'm trying to portray to the community and to the people that we know. Right. But again, society's like, Ooh, beautiful job, parents job well done. And on the inside, you're crumbling because one, that may not be at all what you wanted for your life. But because you fear the consequence of what your parents might say or think about you, you withhold it and you're like, you know what? I can suck it up. Being a doctor ain't that bad. Okay. I can suck it up. Living in this town, even though I want to, ain't that bad. But you're crumbling inside. Right. So let's talk about the other um, kind of side that I see a lot with my clients. And that is the emotionally avoidant or emotionally absent parent. So these parents struggle to cope with their own negative emotions and therefore they invalidate yours. So while they may be physically present in the home, they're emotionally somewhere else, right? We've heard this time and time again, you're there, but you're not there, right? It's like living with a stranger within your own home. Like we talk every day, but coach, I don't know your fears. I don't know your dreams. I don't know how you feel about big events nor small events. You never truly felt like you were celebrated in the home. Nothing is, is either super saddening or super happening or happy. <laughs> I just made up a word, right? So you probably have never seen this parent cry. You probably have never heard them talk about, truly talk about their emotions. It's usually, ah, I'll be all right. Or it is what it is. Or especially if they're believers, right? God's timing, it, it, God's will, right? They'll, they'll kind of put that on the religion or put that on their relationship with God. But really it's like, well, he created emotions. And so I think we can kind of talk about emotions, but they're emotionally avoidant. But what does that do to a child? It leaves a child feeling that they're unworthy of attention, my parents, the people who love me the most, are not able or were not able to learn how to navigate their emotions to the point where they invalidated minds. And what am I supposed to do? I got feelings. I got emotions. So over time, you just stuff them down because we don't do that in this family. We don't talk about feelings in this family. Have you heard that? Is that your family? Like, right. We don't we're not a mushy, gushy family. You, we joke. Maybe, you know, we, we definitely sweep things on the road, but we don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. So these emotionally avoidant um, or absent parents, they also get praised in society that their children are well behaved and that they don't cause any fuss or any trouble when they're out in public. Right. That they fade into the background and, and you're now seen as the good girl. But it's because you're so afraid to show emotion. 
you're not used to showing emotion. And so when you get into relationships, usually, you know, older in life and college and as you're dating and now married, and even with your children now, it's like, uh oh, <laughs> I can't avoid my feelings no more. Because if I do, either comes out in anger or it comes out in resentment. And you don't like that, right? You've come to this place where you're like, that's no longer healthy for me anymore. So, again, this whole like, I want the best for my children, for these parents, it's because they believe their best and wanting the best for their children is really an expression of, um, you know, their best looks like containment. It looks like confinement. Are you neat and put together, not necessarily from an image perspective, but from an emotional perspective? Are you easily sensitive? You don't belong to this family if you are, because we don't do that, right? Um, so, you know, w- looking at both of these, we can say that one is particularly over invested in the image of the family. We are good. We are perfect. We have our ish together. You know, we, we don't go out here making a fool out of ourselves and we are the best of the best of the best at all times. The other version is we are good, but because we contain ourselves and we keep to ourselves and we suppress our emotions, right? So one family blows up their emotions, one family suppresses them, right? I think both of these family dynamics, um, have a few things in common and for sure a need for control, right? Because what happens when a child loses or or steps outside of the family norm is they're punished, they're ridiculed, the, the consequences are not good. The consequences usually are dangerous. And let's just kind of look at this word dangerous. It doesn't necessarily mean that something physical is going to happen to you or you're going to be, you know, left out on the street or kicked out. Although that is that is some someone's experience, right? But dangerous just could be it's unsafe. It's unsafe to express emotions. It's unsafe to tell your parents no. It's unsafe to speak your opinions because what happens is you are then jeopardized in some form or fashion, right? So this need for control, we have to keep this under wraps. So that need for control is then passed down to you. We'll talk about that in just a second. The, the other thing that they have in com- common is this desire for connection. I do not have this belief that anyone is, is, has a child and they're like, you know what? I'm going to mess, I'm going to mess her up. Yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pass down this belief that she's not really, you know, worth anybody's time or attention or, you know, I'm going to really make her feel like she's not unsafe. I'm going to give her the best silent treatment of her life that makes her second guess her entire existence. I'm going to do that for this is this is her this is my gift to her. I don't think any parent wakes up and that's their mission. I really don't. I really think that creating or or continuing um, unhealthy family dynamics is quite accidental. They're born into some form of dysfunction and because it's unhealed, it inadvertently trickles down, right? It's almost like, not that you can't help it, but because you can, you can heal, you can end the cycle 100%. But if there's not any intentional, 
uh, any intentional actions and patterns around that, then it's very difficult to shift and turn the boat around, right? And so that desire for connection, I believe both of these families have that. Can, can we be connected to where we're so on one accord that we all have the same thoughts? Can we be on such a good accord and be so deeply connected that we all go after similar things? That people know that you are the Johnson family just by the things that you do, right? Or can we be so connected that we don't have to speak about our emotions? We just know that we love each other. We don't have to say it. Or that we know that I'll be there to comfort you when you're sad and I don't necessarily have to go out of my way and affirm that or give you a hug. You just know it. I think there is this sense of I want to be connected, but I don't either. I don't know how because it was never taught to me. Right. Or I just assume that, you know, it because you're my child. So these like accidental ways that these cycles are passed down. I don't believe it's intentional. Now, there are some times when definitely stories I've heard, especially when I was working in foster care, where people did some really evil things, some really cruel things. Um, And it's like, okay, you know, you kind of thought about that for a little bit. But even just the, the thought of some of those very evil thoughts coming to someone, it starts somewhere. It, it truly starts somewhere, right? So the way that, um, that these things are packaged in a bow, you know, put in a box, packaged in a bow and passed down to you, your mom or your parents were controlling. So you had no control. But now that you're an adult, you want all the control. And now you're the controlling one. Uh-oh. Oh, I, I wasn't supposed to say that last one. I can not count <laughs> how many times I've sat across from someone who is struggling to let go of control. Because now that you finally have this space in your life where you can make your own decisions and you're not the one on the receiving end, you get the call of the shots, right? And someone is telling you, maybe a piece of that is, is unhealthy. And you're like, mm, I can't. Because what's going to happen? What's going to be the consequence of me letting control? People are going to think this about me or feel this way about me or say this about me. And I can't let that happen. So it's hard for you to let go of control. But unfortunately, that's a part of the cycle. It's a part of the cycle. Or the other part, right? Your parent, your mom, your dad only gave you attention or validation when you did things right or their specific way. And now you have to overachieve to prove yourself to others of your worth and that you're valuable and that you're worth celebrating, right? So you find yourself in this constant in and out of burnout because you're, you're consistently doing things for others instead of what you want, instead of out of the values that are in alignment to what God has called you to do. It's just like, well, this is what makes me money and money is what makes my family happy. So I'm going to do that (laughs) instead of trusting God for his will for your life. I know that's heavy. Or, right, your mom or your dad or both were either very critical of you 
your appearance, right? You look like you're gaining weight. Girl, you need to put some meat on your bones. You sure you want to go with that, friend? Why you choose that over this? Why don't you want this kind of car for the kids instead of this? Why don't you teach your children how to do this like this? No, that's now. But when you were young, those different choices that you made. Or maybe they just weren't very expressive at all. You could have been doing all the things and you could barely get or at all get, I'm proud of you. No matter what you go through, I'm here for you. I will always love you. I will always be in your corner. I'm so happy to be your mom. I'm so happy to be your dad. Right? And so then now your inner critic is turning up. That anxiety is turning up. The challenge, the challenge that, you know, managing those difficult and hard, big feelings, big emotions, like anger. Oh, my gosh. Don't be angry. But it's there. It's there. And so even if you didn't have this terrible, terrible childhood um, that, again, makes the news and the headlines and. Um, What people are like, yeah, that was awful. It doesn't have to be that way in order for you to have a childhood wound and the childhood wound and passing it down from generation to generation um, is often accidental. It's a very, very, very slippery slope because you think that you're running from what your parents did or what happened in your childhood. I'm going to create this completely new thing for my kids. They're never going to have to blah, 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 blah. But what happens is you put this picture in your mind that it's this particular standard. So you're chasing this standard. And in the process, you're not connecting with your child. You're connecting with the vision of the child. You're connecting with the vision of your marriage. You're connecting with the vision of your career. And not actually saying, huh, what does this specific child need from me? Because it may not be what the parenting gurus are telling you. What does my marriage need? Right? Who am I in this new phase of my life? What do I actually want at this season? Yeah. So the origin of um, childhood wounds, very slippery slope. It starts somewhere. And it doesn't end until someone says, "Mm, you've run your course, okay? (laughs) Enough is enough. Enough is enough. And maybe that's you. I sure hope it is. I full body believe that you have everything that it takes for it to be, um, for it to end with you, right? Um, And so as I mentioned earlier, um, this is very nuanced stuff. It's not something, maybe you heard yourself... (laughs) In the podcast today, your family today, like, that's exactly what happened. Uh, how did you know? Maybe you heard yourself, right? Or maybe you're like, oh, I don't know. You know, there might be some truth there. I'm just trying to still figure it out. But the the symptoms of what I'm calling out, the perfectionism, the, the anxiety, the anger, the uh, not the inability to let go of control, right? Those things sound familiar, but you can't quite put your finger on where it comes from, where it started. Um, either camp you, you fall into, I want to invite you to book a call with me. 
to see how I can support you on this healing journey um, so that you're not accidentally passing this down, right? That the origin starts with you. Maybe you'll be able to look, look back on your family tree and be like, yeah, this happened then and there. And then entered Samantha, then entered Andrea, then entered Amanda, then entered Jessica. And she changed the freaking game. I believe God wants that for your family. And I believe he's called you to it, you know? So if that is you, go to momfullyyou.com backslash coaching to set up a free coaching. Um, it's not a coaching call. <laughs> it is a call to see how I can support you in coaching. Let's just want to be clear about that. Um, but you can go to momfullyyou.com backslash coaching to find out more. And I am looking forward to speaking with you and partnering with you to end this origin cycle um, of the childhood wound. As always, thanks for stopping by to chat with me today. I can't wait to do it again, but until then, take care. <laughs>